Don't ever make the mistake of buying into the perversion of the Christianity gospel to where you pray a prayer and then it's like rubbing a lamp and you have unlimited wishes or that you can go ahead and go ahead and <laughs> live the life that you want to live and then when things get rough that you can just call on Christ and then he'll show up like a get out of jail free card or an insurance card or a triple A card when you need a tow. It's not how Christianity works. And a lot of times when true followers of Christ or adhering to the word of God, there's oftentimes that they go through trials and tribulations. There's testings and God chastises those that he loves and he just works on us and refines us and changes us from glory to glory on a daily basis. He literally lifts us up and puts us on a straight and narrow path and makes level grounds for our ways. He puts us on the narrow path. And that narrow path is, is a place that very few find. What I want to talk to you about today is ultimately the Christian walk isn't the hype that you see on TV. The Christian walk isn't always sunshine and rainbows and butterflies and prosperity and good materialistic financial opportunities. And I'm not saying that it's not. Because all of these things can occur. But when Paul was following Christ, you'll notice that Paul was sold out for the gospel. He was sold out for Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life, and that none came to the Father except through him. So he carried a great message to the Gentiles. Though he was a Jew, he went into just detrimental places that were unwelcoming to the gospel. And in doing so, out of obedience to Christ, he was persecuted several times. He was shipwrecked, I believe, four times. He was bitten by a snake, a poisonous snake. He was stoned. He was whipped uh, several times with, I believe, um, I, don't quote me on the numbers, but it was like 39 lashes or 33 lashes, something of that nature. Uh, please look that up on your own. But my point is, is even outside of Paul, in the times of Christ, the Christian followers were under extreme persecution. And just because we're in the Western culture today and we have the religious freedom to practice without persecution doesn't mean that persecution doesn't exist in other parts of the world. The followers of Christ in the Roman days, in the beginning, after Christ left, they were still under persecution underneath Rome. And that was changed later on, but let's just stick to the beginning. It says in Scripture that these people lived in caves, that the world was not worthy of them, that they were crucified as martyrs, they were sawed in two, they were boiled in pots. Now, for some reason in some churches today, when a Christian is going through trials and tribulations, when he's being refined by God, they tend to give the devil way too much credit. And then they'll say, well, the reason why these people are going through what they're going through is probably because of unresolved sin. They need to figure out what it is that they continue to do wrong and repent for it. 
And I'm here to tell you that when Christians are really walking the way that God has called them to walk, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be prosperous. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have the ability to be financially sound. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have prosperity. It's just not the perversion of the prosperity gospel where all of a sudden you become rich and healthy and wealthy and financially affluent. These things are a possibility, especially in the Western culture. But ask yourself, is that the case when it comes to Christ? Christ said, if, you didn't, if you're not willing to love less, Luke says, hate, you know, mother and brother, sister, uh, things of that nature, that you're not worthy to follow me. What that is in the Greek is misio. So it means love less than. So basically God goes, unless you love everything in the world less than me, you're not worthy to follow me. Basically, pick up your cross, deny yourself daily and follow me, but know that picking up your cross, you should calculate the cost of what it is because I'm taking this cross, I'm headed up that hill, I'm going to be criticized, persecuted, lied about. They're going to manipulate the truth. They're going to talk poorly about me. They're going to beat me and persecute me and attempt to murder me. I'm taking this cross and I'm going to go up this hill and I'm going to die. And unless you're willing to do the same, then you're not worthy to follow me. Something about that looks a lot different than send in X amount of money and God's going to heal you. Send in X amount and God's going to triple your seed. I'm not saying that God's not going to bless those that give. We reap what we sow. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man that gives much will gain much. There is an eternal economy of God. There is an economy of God in Scripture. It doesn't go by those direct terms, and it's not called that in Scripture. But you can read in Proverbs, and you can read into the New Testament what it says about giving, how, what it is when someone lives their life for Christ completely sold out as a follower of the way. You'll find that. I just happen to personally call it the economy of God. I, I say all this for all of you that are going through persecution, all of you that are going through trials and tribulations, all of you that are struggling in faith, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He never said that this was going to be easy. He said, take hope for I've overcome the world. So in the world, we're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. We're going to have persecutions. We're going to have issues that are going to happen to us, but that we have a leader, a great mediator that was tempted by all the same things as us, yet he remained faultless. He was sinless, the perfect sacrifice and atonement for the sins of all mankind, that he's long-suffering, hoping all come to repentance. Well, he left after the resurrection, and he ascended into heaven. And before he went, he said that he would send the great Holy Spirit, the Comforter, right, to the disciples and to all that believe, and that we would do the same things that he did and far greater. But in the process of doing the same things and far greater that we've been called to do, you're going to face trials and tribulations. You're going to face 
hardships you're going to have to endure until the end to receive a crown of life. You are blessed. You are righteous. You are redeemed. You are a co-heir. You are an ambassador. You are a child of God. You are the salt and the light, the living representation of God that's here on this earth. You have been called to be an ambassador. What do you expect the world to look at you as when it doesn't have the mind of Christ, when it doesn't have the morality that we've been called to, when it thinks for self-interest and selfishness over selflessness, what do you think the response is to a child of the Most High God that is trying to pour himself out as a living offering? What do you expect out of people? What do you expect out of the flesh of man, even those that call themselves Christians? Are you expecting an easy road? Are you expecting hardship? What are you expecting? What did you think you were getting into when you started to follow Christ? When Christ himself said, calculate the cost of what it takes to follow me. Make your decision. But I'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm Christianity is literally the most toxic thing on the planet because you appear to be something that you're not. And then when trials and tribulations get rough, it's revealed who you really are. And if it ain't love, and if it ain't truth, if it ain't the way, if it ain't God coming through you, if it's not the message of love, something else is going to get revealed. And it's just going to be more of a shortcoming for those that are seeking to follow. As sad as that sounds. But hear my heart. We all make mistakes. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to fall short. But the point is, is to focus on Christ, to focus on our Savior and not our sin. Not to be so distracted by our behavior. Not to hold prophecy and contempt, but to take what's good and to leave out what's bad. We're here to edify the body of Christ. Now, I don't want to go off on a long tangent rant. I just want to say I hope that you guys are calculating the cost of what it is to follow Christ. I hope that you're putting him first in all things. I hope when the trials and tribulations get rough that you know that you're standing on a solid, firm foundation called the finished works of Jesus Christ. And that you're not giving up and that you're not giving in to the way of the world. And that you're not going to sit there and shelter yourself from the hardships, but that you let the hardships refine you and design you and build you to be a stronger individual in Christ. I pray that through the Holy Spirit that you find strength through every bit of hardship and adversity that God just refines you and puts the pressure on you in such a way that it builds you just like lifting weights would build muscle. I pray that God just bestows upon you all insight, revelation, knowledge, and understanding necessary on this side of heaven for you to be able to live a productive life in Christ. Take your eyes off the ways of the world and seek his kingdom first and all things will be added to you. That doesn't mean that all things that are being added to you is going to make for an easy life. He never, he never, ever, ever said that it would be an easy life. He just said that he overcame it and is going to prepare a place for us. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. 
If there weren't, then I wouldn't tell you. I'm going to prepare a place for you and then I will come back and return to get you. But until then, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to allow you to do the same works that I've done and far greater. We have the opportunity to live as living representatives of of love, to be the ambassadors and the co-heirs that he's called us to be. This should be a joy. Joy is a choice. Happiness is a choice. It is not an emotion. It is not something that just happens to us from time to time to where it's just all of a sudden a ray of sunshine and then everything's okay. Happiness is a daily choice. It is a exercise to have happiness and joy in your life. It is a choice. It is a choice to follow Christ. And I hope that it's one that we all calculate the cost of because stuff is going to get hard. Darkness is coming and it is getting darker and darker every day. That should not make you want to give up. That should mean that the darker the world gets, the brighter your light shines. The more you will stick out like a sore thumb in the ways of the world, the more that when people flip to your channel, they see a stark contrast between the ways of the world and the ways of man and then the ways of those who follow Christ. Love should be the guiding light that our war is not against flesh and blood, but the spiritual wickedness in high places against principalities of darkness and wickedness. These These things that are trying to cause distractions, factions, and dissensions amongst the body of Christ, we have been called to be the unified body, the unified body, one mind. There should be no division amongst us. We should be so unified on the fundamental basis of love that it's undeniable who we are, what we do, and what we represent. We are blessed to refute every tongue that comes against us. This is the heritage of the Lord. Don't let this world distract you. God literally uses. Mm. God literally uses the things that are set to destroy you, to refine you, and to build you up, and to make you stronger. Why? If you know that the spirit that lives within you, through scripture, through God's living word, sharper than any double-edged sword, knowing that it's alive and well, able to separate bone from marrow, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that the spirit that lives within you is stronger than the one in the world, then why would you ever bend knee to an inferior foe, an inferior enemy. It's inferior. It is defeated. Sin and death has lost its sting. Why is it that we would complain and grumble? He literally states in scripture to do everything without arguing and complaining so that we would shine bright in a crooked and perverse generation. It's a crooked and perverse generation. It's, It's what comes out of our mouths that defiles us, not what we put into it. It's not this old religion and doctrination of of just tradition. It is literally the word of God came and dwelt among us. The very thing that we speak that comes out of our mouth shows what our heart is full of. The very thing that defiles a man is what comes out of his mouth. It says that if a man could bridle his tongue, then that man would be faultless, but that the tongue is a restless evil. 
that no man can tame. Through the Holy Spirit, if we work to bridle our tongue, we would be faultless. All glory be to God through Jesus Christ that he came as a living sacrifice and an atonement for our sins so that we can focus not on our shortcomings but our Savior, not focus on our behavior but our right standing. And our right standing makes us productive because if we love him, we'll keep his commandments and that we would do the same thing that he did here on earth and that we would follow him. We will pursue him diligently with all of our hearts, our soul, and our minds, that he would be the medicine meditation of our spirit. This is a calling in the middle of the night at 2.47 a.m. for anyone willing to listen, whether it be now or later or years from now. Stand tall, man of God. Stand tall in the spirit that is in you that is literally stronger than the world. Do you understand the power that you have living and residing inside you? Do you understand the power of your prayers? Do you understand that in faith, if you do not doubt, that you can ask anything of the Father in heaven? And literally, Jesus Christ will do it to glorify our Father in heaven. We literally have the ability to be in Christ, how Christ is in the Father in John 16. 17 that was the prayer prayed and I think it gets looked over way way too much that Christ himself prayed that we would be in the father the same way the same way or that we would be in him the same way that he is in the father that is a unified body do you understand your co-heirs and ambassadors of this whole entire place we have nothing to complain about we're co-heirs of the living universe and he's going to make everything new He's going to wipe away every tear. The ways that we're living in now will be the ways of the old and it will pass. And we will pass from death to life. That Christ as our living sacrifice, as our mediator and our atonement for sin allows us to walk freely into the gates of heaven. Knowing that he paid the payment for our righteousness and our right standing. But our righteousness and right standing gives us the ability to have the opportunity to be the torchbearers of our generation in this time. We have the ability to go and spread the good news and the gospel. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And know that Christ is with us until the end of Age, that we can call on him and ask anything of him and he will do it to glorify our father in heaven what has got you so bent out of shape what what in this world has power over you what is more powerful than the spirit that lives in you what is more powerful than the God that you serve He's literally residing in you through the Holy Spirit. What is the shortcoming? What is the distraction? What is the filter that's being put on your life that's causing you to be unproductive for the kingdom of heaven? What is stealing your joy? What is causing disruption in the heart of man? What is causing shortcoming? What is causing failure? Why would we not be bowling hot at all times why would we not is it because we're not spurring each other into the good works have we forsaken the assembly have we stopped gathering together have we started talking trash and gossiping about one another have we started to just become looking like the world so much so that we forgot 
who we belong to and whom we serve? What is it that's taken our joy? What is it that's causing division? What is causing all of these denominations and separations and segregation to occur in the body of the Christ? What? Who is causing you to shrink back? Less you love less than you're not fit to follow you have to die to self you have to be fully committed the world and everything that it has to offer has to be completely undesirable in consideration to the opportunity not the obligation we should not have hesitation in scripture it says the one that looks back is not fit to plow the field boy we better stop rubbernecking boy we better stop looking at everybody else and start looking at what god gave us boy we should probably stop comparing and contrasting to others and just stay focused on the road that god has called us to maybe we should stop comparing each other's ministries and just stay so focused solely on what god has called us to do that we are so busy doing the very thing that he called us to do that we don't have time to focus on anybody else and what it is that they're doing all that we have time to do is to walk in love and forgiveness and to exonerate and to uplift and to build up and to be a blessing and not a burden. To be the head, not the tail. To be the lender, not the borrower. To be generosity. To walk in care and compassion and love and forgiveness and have hope and know that the glory is found in Christ's finished works. We have been called and given the ability to serve. What is the distraction that is stopping us from being unified? So you can go enjoy your Netflix or your new Disney Plus or your video game or the news or the stocks or whatever else it is, the football games that's going on, you can go and you can do that. But every second of the day, know that somebody else is out there and is void of the gospel. There's someone hurting. There's someone in need of what it is that you have and you're just sitting on gold. I would hate that that be us burying our gold. I would hate that we would trade in certain time for self. Now, I'm not being legalistic. I'm just saying, check your own heart. Check your own heart and what you spend your time on. And tell me, are you leveraging every second for the kingdom of heaven? Are you leveraging every moment that you have to try to edify others and to build people up for the kingdom of heaven? Are you out spreading the good news and the gospel? Are you using your gifting, your talents, and your callings to be a blessing to others? Are you literally seeking to make sure that there is no root of division amongst one another? Are you seeking to know that you are just blessed, righteous, and redeemed? That a thousand might fall by your side 
and 10,000 by your right hand, but you know that no harm will come to your tent, that you don't fear the arrow by day nor the pestilence that stalks at night. Where is your victory? Where is your focus? Are you identifying with your sin? Are you identifying with your Savior? Are you focused on your behavior? Are you focused on shortcomings? Are you focused on what other people aren't doing that you wish that they would? And because of that, you're unhappy. Or are you fully focused and dedicated to serving the Lord and knowing that He brings all good things? That He provides all good things and that if we seek His kingdom first and all things be added to us, why are we distracted with what we want when we should be focusing on what He wants? And if we focus on what He wants, then He gives us the fulfillment of our heart's desires. That we be unified in one mind and one accord. That we be in Christ how Christ is in the Father. Why would we seek anything else? Why seek the pleasures of the world when they're a vast void of unfulfillment and the more that you seek it, the bigger the void gets? Why are you looking back on the things that you have died to to once again become enslaved by them and to be underneath a yoke of oppression and a burden of sin when you have been broken free and His, His, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. We have the ability to walk as living representatives of love through action and in truth. This is the roll call. Whom do you serve? What is your focus? I love you guys.